0: Hey, beloved, welcome to another chapter of the book of Sean. It's good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. It's going to be a great show tonight. My brother, Stephen Little is here. We're going to talk about his journey, the price, the pursuit, the problems, the prize of a dream, right? Because when you want to do something and you're determined to do it and you got it in your spirit and your soul that you are going to get it done, sometimes life does not conform to that desire. And sometimes you have to wait longer than you thought you would to get what you want. You know what I'm saying? That's Stephen's journey. And I bet there's an area of your life that hasn't quite come together the way you thought it would when you thought it would, too. That's why we're talking about this. Because if you've been on the earth longer than five years, then you know what it is to wait on something. And I want to help him. I want to inspire him. And I also want to listen to him as he takes us into this journey, this journey, this love, this passion that he has to act and to manifest what's inside of him on the screen. You may not wanna be an actor, that may not be your thing, but you wanna be something, you wanna do something. You want somebody or you want something. What do you do when you gotta wait a little longer than you thought you would, hmm? Oh yeah, it just got good, didn't it? Get you some pie, people. <laughs> this is gonna be a good conversation. We're gonna do some Ask Dr. Sean later, but we always start with the headlines. So play the bumper, Hiley. So, on Monday, I mentioned to you that PNB Rock, the rapper, was um, shot, and we prayed for him and wished him health. Apparently, unfortunately, he passed away from his wounds, uh, killed tragically um, in a Roscoe Chickle and Waffles here in Los Angeles. And um, allegedly, he was the victim of an attempted robbery, when the suspect approached him and the woman he was with inside the restaurant and demanded property, property from him. And it's being reported that a verbal exchange took place between him and the suspect. The suspect pulled out a gun uh, and shot the rapper multiple times, thud away into a getaway car, and, and of course, P&B Rock subsequently passed away. Of course, we want to send our condolences to his family and to all who loved him. I believe he had children. Um, and so, of course, we're praying for his family. Um, it's, it's crazy. In fact, the police now believe that um, the assailant, the suspect, uh, went to the restaurant specifically to rob and to confront P&B Rot because the woman that he was with um, gave a geolocation as to where they were. And apparently they were following her social media in some kind of way and found out where he was, went there, and did what they did. And I'm bringing this up because I've heard a lot of people say on social media that, you know, people should not post their social, their, their geolocations on social media. And we really shouldn't, by the way. I've heard a lot of people say that you got to be really careful about where you go and communities you don't. And that's absolutely true. Right, I agree with all of that. You know, stop posting your geolocations. And, yes, be very careful about where you are when you're, when you're out of town and cities you don't live in, right? I've heard people say, in reference to this story, you can't wear certain hats, you, can't, you don't wear your jewelry. All of that is true. All of that is true and we all should be vigilant and we all should take care of ourselves. Um, but I don't think we should blame PMB Rock for being the victim of a crime, okay? Y- yes, we should give each other advice on how to be vigilant, but we shouldn't blame the victim for being victimized. We're not doing that, right? Like, we're not saying it's his fault he got shot, right? We're not, we're, not, we're not doing that. Because to do that is to let the person who shot him off the hook, as if he did something, you know what I'm saying, so tragically wrong, so morally inferior, so ethically uh, verbose that now he deserved what happened to him. I'm all for giving people advice on how to be vigilant, how to protect ourselves, as long as we don't cross the line and start blaming the victim for the crime. Okay? Let's not do that, people. P. M. B. Rock did not cause his own murder. No more than a rape victim causes her own rape. You follow what I'm saying? You don't get to say to a rape victim if you had had worn a longer dress, you wouldn't have been raped. That ain't how it works. How about if you had not been a predator and a sleazeball, she would not be raped. And in the same case with our dear brother who just passed away, if the person that shot him had not been a disgrace to his culture and an anathema to his bloodline and had not disrespected his family with greed and violence, the dear brother rapper would still be here. Sure, we should be vigilant, but don't blame the sheep. Blame the wolf for what the wolf has done. Are you feeling me tonight? Because I don't want us to get to a place where we start blaming people you know, um, It ought to be the case where you can go to a restaurant in the black community, in our community, and not be shot and robbed. We can't make violence so, so much a part of who we are right now that we start saying, oh, you know, this, no. It ought to be the case that a rapper, that my man Steven, who's here tonight, me, two, three, we ought to be able to go to a restaurant and eat and not be ro- robbed and shot, okay? Those two, th- those two things can, can exist at the same time. Stop posting your whole life on social media. <laughs> and you ought to be able to go where you want to go without being shot and killed. Those two ideas can exist at the same time. They are not mutually exclusive. They are not binary. They are not, they are not dualistic. They're in conversation with each other. alright I'm gonna move on, but I just wanna say this. You can of course say that the dear brother should have been more vigilant and the sister who was with them, of course, should have kept some things to themselves. But if you say that, make sure you also say that the person who shot him and killed him shouldn't have done it. All right, hot grease. Let's move on. (laughs) I'm moving on, Stephen, because I'm going to start cussing if I don't. All right, let's talk about Doug Maestriano. A few weeks ago, I gave you the story of how the the Republican candidate to be the governor of the state of Pennsylvania, Doug Maestriano, that guy right there, well, I gave you a story about how he was caught wearing a Confederate uniform. 2014, um, Mr. Doug was running around in a Confederate uniform while he was actually in uh, the Army. <laughs> he, was in the, he was in the Army wearing a Confederate uniform and photos. Now, I, I mentioned at the time the, 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 the irony and the craziness of this man right there wearing a Confederate uniform of an army that wanted to destroy the state of Pennsylvania and now he wants to be the governor of the state of Pennsylvania. That the Confederate army wanted to destroy Pennsylvania and the Union and now he wants to be the governor of the state that that army whose uniform he wore wanted to destroy. Well apparently and I, I listen I'm I'm always, I try to be balanced and fair. Apparently at least 16 Republican leaders in the state of Pennsylvania have announced their endorsement for the Democrat running for governor, Mr. Josh Shapiro. And so I just wanna say, shout out to the Republicans in Pennsylvania who have come to to the conclusion and to the right thinking that someone who can wear a Confederate uniform, the uniform of a group of people that wanted to keep slavery and destroy the union should not be eligible and is not qualified or competent to be the governor of the state of Pennsylvania. Shout out to the 16 Republicans who actually believe that and they moved to endorse a Democrat. And listen, I don't I, Republicans and I don't agree on nothing except for taxes. We do, we do agree on that. But other than that, I don't agree with Republicans on nothing. But we also agree on Doug Mastriano. And and here's here's why I'm saying this to you, okay? Because I I try to give you wisdom. I try to give you something you can live with after the show is over. And here it is. When people do the right thing, even if they've, they've done a bunch of wrong things, it's always good to acknowledge and to validate people when they finally do something right. Okay? And that's why I'm giving a shout out to Republicans in the state of Pennsylvania. Because when people actually do something that's noble, with good intention, you should acknowledge it. Don't have people in your life who are trying to be better, trying to do something right, trying to change their ways, and because you're so stuck in what they used to be that you don't celebrate them for trying to be something different now. Because that's a good way to encourage people to stop trying. You follow what I'm saying? When, when, When you've asked someone for something and they're struggling to give it to you, the least you can do is acknowledge the struggle and say, you know what? You're actually doing this. Yeah, And see, I'm leading by example, people. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not doing. I don't like Republicans. We don't agree on nothing (laughs) except for Texas. But I want to give a shout out to the 16 Republicans who are supporting Josh Shapiro, because you got to have balance. okay? if I criticize you, I have to be willing to celebrate you as well. And in too many relationships, too many marriages, too many parental situations, too many employers dealing with employees where there's no balance. It's all criticism, 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 criticism. And if you criticize someone to the degree that they just stop caring, then you end up losing more than what you bargained for, losing more than what you bargained for. Let's have balance, people. If you can criticize me, then you better be able to celebrate me too, okay? Let me get off this. (laughs) But y'all know what I'm talking about. You know you got people in your life who you probably need to say that a boy too or that a girl too, okay? Because they're really trying. Now, we live in a world where goodness needs to be validated. And and we shouldn't live in that kind of world, but we do. When people are doing something good, what does it cost you to say to them, I see you trying. I see you working on this. I see you trying to be better. It costs you nothing. In fact, it might just bless you before it's all over. And you know what I mean. Let's move on. This is a PG show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming to you, Stephen. Hold on for a second. Let's talk about Scotland real quick. I know there's a lot going on with the Queen in England and Scotland, but listen, the first minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, announced, listen to this, that the government of Scotland would institute um, a ban that would... Stop people from being evicted out of their apartments and freeze rent as a part of as a part of a series of measures that's helping the United Kingdom and in this case, Scotland, deal with the cost of living crisis going on in the UK. In a statement, the first minister said that the emergency law will give people security about keeping a roof over their heads this winter by establishing a moratorium on evictions. And you knew, you knew I had to give you this story because I've, I've been talking to you about rent and the cost of rent and how most Americans spend two-thirds of what they bring in on keeping a roof over their heads. And I know, I know the United States is different from Scotland, but I don't know. Stephen, you Steven, Steven have to tell me what he thinks about this. Two, three, you tell me after the show. I don't think this is a bad idea, okay? I think I, I, Here's what I think. I think if people go out of their way to go to work every day, go to work every week, and they're paying their rent, right? I think the government should should step in and help keep the rent where it's at a man, manageable level. If I'm doing my part and going to work and paying the rent, somebody help me keep the keep the cost of the rent to a degree uh, at a level where I can continue to pay. Do you still want your money, sir? <laughs> Cuz if you keep going up, we going to have a problem. And I don't care what nobody says, I still don't understand why rent Why why, why the rate, why the cost keeps going up the way it does? I don't get it. I said this before, my apartment isn't any bigger. You didn't increase the size of my bedroom. My bathroom is the same size right now that it was before the pandemic. The only thing different is how much you're charging me to go into the same bathroom, okay? And I said this before, somebody said to me, it's because property taxes have, that ain't my problem. (laughs) That's not my problem. Don't pass that problem on to me. You the one bought a building. You the one decided you want to be a, you know, a, 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 what is it, a landlord? Yeah, that's the cost of doing business. Why do I have to pay for your property taxes? No. No, 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 no. part, it's the same damn apartment. I'm sorry, Trina, I said damn. <laughs> you know, it just gets me all fired up. Pe- people's rent have doubled and tripled and it is literally the same apartment. You didn't even put down no new carpet. Now you want me to pay you more money. In the words of my mama, the devil is a lie. You ain't getting another dime out of me. Come on, Steven, pray for me, man. I'm here to help you, but you might have to help me. (laughs) You might have to talk me down off the ledge, man. So anyway, I, I just think that for most people just trying to keep a roof over their heads, we got to do something, because this is not sustainable, OK? We cannot have a nation full of homeless people. And if the, and if the price of, of the, the rate of a mortgage or the rate of rent keeps going up, there's going to be a lot of us in our cars. And no, you can't sleep in my car with me. It's just me in there, OK? Let's do this last one. Um, check this out. Check this out. Uh, you, guys, you guys know I'm, I'm, I'm into true crime. It's, it's, my little, it's my little guilty pleasure. This one is interesting and sad at the same time. Um, and it goes back to what I said, because when I give you this story, I'm not blaming this person for what happened, but, but, but there's some wisdom in here. okay? So I, When I talked about PNB Rock, I was trying to get us to understand we shouldn't blame the victim for what happened. And I'm not doing that when I read this story. You'll see what I'm saying in a second. So Irene Gakwa was born and raised in Kenya. She immigrated to the United States in 2019 with hopes of launching a career in healthcare. In March of, 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 of this year, Irene's family kept trying to reach out to her on the phone, but they couldn't reach her. And so they, because they shared a family plan, they searched her phone records, and they realized that she had been talking to someone numerous times, numerous times rather a day. After digging around, they found out that Irene was secretly living with her boyfriend Nathan Hitman. In Gillette Wyoming that's him right there and now Mr. Hitman is considered to be a person of interest in the disappearance of Irene and while uh, he has not been charged as of yet he is a suspect in financial crimes against her because Mr. Hitman apparently was using Irene's credit card and her bank account and deleting her emails after she went missing we all know what that means right allegedly you had to say allegedly. Stick around, people. This gets better. You see, everybody's innocent until proven guilty. I understand this. But this sounds really suspicious to me. And did I mention the, the most interesting part of the story? Wait for it. Irene met this guy on Craigslist. Stephen's shaking his head. That's exactly, that's exactly the response that everybody with good sense is doing right now. All of us are doing this. And I'm not blaming Irene for what happened, right? Because you don't blame the victim for being victimized. You don't frame the sheep, you blame the wolf. So whoever did this, if it was Mr. Hitman or whoever it was, they're the ones we should blame. But we also, as I said, with respect to PB Rock, we should also have common sense, people, right? Use your common sense. Now, I'm not disparaging Craigslist because I don't want to get sued, but we all know what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> I don't need to say it because we all think of the same thing. She met him on Craigslist. She comes to this country in 2019. She starts dating this man in 2020. And then by 2022, they're living together. And that's when we pick up the story and I got to hurry up because I got to go to break. Beloved, stop trying to live your whole life in two weeks, okay? Give yourself time to get to know people And give yourself time to get to see who people really happen to be under a myriad of of exchanges and conditions. Okay? You meet somebody in a year, you probably shouldn't be living with them six months later. Now, sometimes it works out, right? Sometimes it works out. But most of the time it doesn't. And all I'm saying to you is give yourself a chance to give yourself a chance to know who somebody happens to be before you start laying next to them every night. Let's go back to the wolf and the sheep, because you might be laying next to a wolf who wants to make you his meal. Okay, I'm done. When I come back, my brother Stephen's going to be on. We're going to talk about his journey. Look at him, handsome man that he is. And we're going to have a good conversation. We'll be right back. Ah! Welcome back, everybody. So all of us have a dream. All of us are chasing something, wanting something, trying to become something, right? That's just the nature of being human. But here's the nature of life. Life does not always conform with your schedule. Sometimes life will make you wait and make you wait longer than you wanted to. That's my guest journey tonight. I can't wait to hear his heart and to hear what he's had to go through in the pursuit of something higher, his dream, his passion. Welcome to the show tonight, Stephen Little. Hey, brother, how you doing?
1: I'm well. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: It's my absolute pleasure. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to this because... You are going to represent so many people, right? Who who are who are who, who still waiting on something that we thought life would have given us a long time ago. I want to jump right in, and so let's let's take it from here. Um, so, when you moved to LA to pursue your dream, what happened when you got here?
1: Well, actually, my dream when I moved here was to be a wardrobe stylist for film and television. Really. And- yeah, like, I had no idea that I was going to act because I thought I was, like, too old, you know, like, too everything to act. And, um, you know, I had the plan. I was like, I'm going to come to L.A., I'm going to start doing film and television, I'm going to do the wardrobe, I'm going to win an Academy Award, I'm going to win an Emmy as, you know, best costumer. Couldn't get booked. Mm. Like, and couldn't find any work, so... You know, I ended up getting into acting because I had gone to do extra work to find out how to get into the Costumers Union. And one of the directors saw me and gave me like a non-speaking part, a sitcom. And when like the live studio audience kept laughing every time I did my thing, and I'm looking around like, "What are they laughing at? What did I miss?" And afterwards, people came up to me and said, "You should be an actor. You're really funny."
0: Mm, And th- and so that's when the bug bit you, right?
1: Well, I still fought it for like three months, still trying to, you know, do the wardrobe thing. And then when I got broke, I said, well, let me see if I can book an acting job.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Listen, listen, two, three, listen. Nothing will make you open your mind quicker than being broke. (laughs) Come on. Being broke will make you consider a whole bunch of things. Okay, so here's what I'm getting from this. Nothing happened the way you thought it would happen. Like the plan in your head is not what life did. So when life didn't do what you wanted it to do, how did you respond to life?
1: Um, Well, you know, the first two or three months was really hard, you know, buying like a dollar's worth of salami and 50 cent worth of cheese to eat that all day because you don't have any money. And then I'm stuck in a city where I had no, like I had nobody. Mm. Um, and so like I had to figure out, I was like, what do you do? Mm. And I had no choice, but to, you know, figure out how to, Start making money, and I'm too old to go-go dance. So, you know, <laughs> you know, I started doing the acting, and I was blessed to start booking work, and
0: um, it went from there. Yeah, but 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 here's here, here's what I'm trying to get to though. When it doesn't work out, and you're not doing what you planned, right, in the way that you planned it, how did you feel? Because I want I, I want I want to climb into your heart a little bit. So, so hold on, hold on, hold on. How did it make you feel about you? How did it make you feel about life? You get what I'm saying? I felt like a failure. Mm.
1: You know, I felt like a failure and I have children and I'm in my, you know, my son really, really looks up to me and like, I'm his idol. And it's like, you know, I couldn't tell him cause he grew up, you know, he grew up when I was doing wardrobe and I'm working with like top celebrities and we're traveling I'm taking him on the road and we're going to concerts and I'm going to these like five star hotels. And all of a sudden, it's like all over. And it's like he's asking me, like, so what are you doing? Like, what's new? And I really couldn't tell him. It was kind of like an embarrassment to me. And I felt like I was letting him down.
0: Mm. Mm. And that made you feel how? I was
1: disgusted with myself. I was really disappointed in myself. And I took it as a personal failure. Mm. And I took it uh, You know, I was doing something wrong. It was my Mm -hmm. fault that this was happening.
0: Mm -hmm. See, that's so interesting because that's the difference between shame and guilt, right? Guilt guilt, Guilt is feeling bad about something you've done, but shame is about feeling bad about who you are. Yes. Which one were you experiencing the most? Shame. Shame. Because I took it as, you know, it was
1: my fault. Like, I left the career that I had in New York. Um, Like, I made these choices, and then they didn't work out. And it was like, it would have been so easy for me to just have stayed in New York. I had everything. I was, like, one of the top, uh, like, stylists in the R&B. I was working with, like, many platinum artists and stuff like that, magazine covers and everything. And I chose to leave that to pursue something that I knew nothing about. And I had people around me, dear friends, that were like, you don't know anything about this, it's stupid, stay in New York. So when I failed in the beginning, mm. well, when I, because I actually failed at that, mm. uh, failed in coming to L.A. and becoming like a costumer for film and television, all these voices are in my head, like, haha, I told you, you know, I told you. And then, you know, being a you know a person of color, I was raised, you know, I wanted to be in entertainment since I was a kid, but, you know, my mother and my grandmother, like, you know, stop that foolishness, get a job with
0: benefits, you know, work for the city, get a job. <laughs> right. <with benefits>. right. <laughs> that is so typically black, right? Your mama, and your grandmother, like, you need some dental. <laughs> right. Right. You go <laughs> That's fast. <so> funny. <laughs> That's funny. Listen, it's, it's fu- so let, me, let, let let's let's, let, let's 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 go deeper. Let's go deeper because I'm liking this. Assess your your life, your energy, your journey. And tell me why you think it didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen and in the time you thought it was going to happen. Why? Well,
1: I think that it didn't happen, one. This is my model now, that if something doesn't happen that wasn't meant for you at that time, Mm -hmm. and when you push for things that aren't meant for you, um, it just leaves you frustrated, whereas... You know, you should go after what is for you. Like, if it's that hard, it's not for you. Mm. And maybe take a break. But I think I had exhausted everything that I can do in that field. Because when I left New York, I had just worked on all the top awards uh, ceremonies with my clients. I was at every single top award ceremony. And then it was like really nothing else for me to do. And instead of me, uh, At that age then, and that mindset saying, okay, let's do something new. I was trying to rehash my past
0: Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. So um, you are acting now. How's that going? How's it going?
1: It's going really good,
0: but it took a minute to get out of my own way. Uh,
1: It took a a lot of minutes to get out of my
0: own way. What do you mean by that? Say more.
1: Well, you know, when I first started, um, like, I didn't come here to act. And then I was, quote, unquote, discovered. And so then I thought, like, Tommy and Ray have a TV series. <laughs> and with the picture I had, a lot of times I didn't even know audition. They would see the picture and just book me. I thought that was how it went. Even, like, my first manager, I had gotten because uh, a friend of mine was trying to get with him. And my friend he kept turning my friend down. And my friend asked me to couple had one time. And the manager saw me and was like, "Do you have representation?" And I was like, "Nah." And he gave me his card, and I worked with him for a year. And like all my beginning work came from that manager, so things just fell into fell into my lap, and I didn't appreciate. It. I didn't know how blessed I was, and I was upset because I would go on auditions as the big black ball-headed guy, and I'd be offended. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So so hold hold, hold 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 on hold on because one of the things that I know is that you are experiencing a certain anxiety yes, about your age in, yes. an, in an industry that celebrates being young. Yes. Talk
1: about that. Well, I'm gonna say when I first started I was thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. And manager it started with well before that. I just felt like I was too old because I'm seeing all these people not realizing that, you know, there's so many more roles than the first two people on the call sheet. You don't have to be the star. You can move from project to project. But then my first manager came, I was 37 going, no, I was 38. And he was like, well, you have to be 27 to 33. And I said, well, how's that going to work when I'm standing next to a 27-year-old? They're going to say something doesn't fit. You know, something ain't right because I'm not going to look like a 27-year-old. And so that started my anxiety about age. And for the longest time, I lied about my age, and I didn't want people to know my age. And I would say, like, my fake age, and the people look at me like, oh, okay. Oh, wait, 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 wait. What was the fake age? I got to know it. Uh, I think I was 33 for, I was 33 for, like, five years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, so if you if, if you don't mind me asking, how, how how old are you? I'm 55. You're 55. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he looks good for 55, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so, my look good. <laughs> I'm I'm not getting in that. So so, so 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 let's let's do that. I want to talk more about this on the other side of this break, all right? Because I yes. think here's why. Because a lot of people right now who are watching tonight are struggling with being comfortable with aging. And yes. especially if you're doing something like Steve is doing, where you're in an industry that doesn't really have a lot of room for people who are over 30, right? Um, and yet you have a drink, and yet you yes. got to eat. So how do, you, how do you negotiate your way through that? How do you do something that's unusual and yet hold on to your passion to keep on doing it? We're going to deal with that right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Steven Little about this interesting and amazing journey. Uh, In Hollywood right Uh, first to be on one side of the business that didn't quite work out And now he's on the acting side of the business And you got to wrestle with the fact that everybody's young and all of us are getting older. So Steven Let me ask you this. Um, you've talked about being the right age, but you've also talked about not having the right look for Hollywood What, What what did you mean by that? well, you know
1: when I was coming up being my age you know, there was a certain look that you saw. And I remember when I was a kid and I wanted to get into entertainment, I used to buy all these like fashion magazines and I would spend so much money on that. I remember one time my mother said to me, I want you to go in your room, look through all those magazines and bring me somebody that looks like you. And I remember going through the magazines and I couldn't find anybody. And she said, it's not that you're not good looking, but you're not them. She was like, there's a certain look that goes along with it. And this was like the late seven. this was like the mid 80s. And she was like, there's a certain look. She said, that doesn't take anything from you. That's just not the look that they're looking for. And that always stayed with me. Hmm. And, you know, but I, I can say,
0: hold on, on, I go, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because your face changed. What did that do to you, both in the moment and subsequently? Well,
1: it always. Uh, gave me like an insecurity thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, I, um, you know, that I didn't have the look, you know, that, I, you know, I was too dark. I mm-hmm. was too, my eyes were too big, you know, uh, all those things because I wasn't the traditional, you know, the tra- traditional leading man. Mm-hmm. And so, and, you know, and I had like the manager, I'll never forget once I he had told, there was an audition that everybody was going on. And I called him and asked him why I didn't go on the audition. And he actually said to me, he was like, oh, well, that audition, the breakdown said good looking. And I was like, what? Wow. After that. And I'm like, I know. But it's funny because when, and this sounds really horrible to say, but when I go to black casting directors, I'm boo-boo. You know, I'm somebody's cousin. I'm the thug or something. When I go to non-people uh, of color, they're like, "Oh, you're amazing. You're beautiful. You're so exotic. Where are you from?" I get a different reaction, and you know, you want to be embraced by your own people. Yeah. You know, you want to be able to say because I look like them. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> right. like the
1: people I'm sitting in front of, but they want you know, you know, a soap star looking type dude. Yeah, and I security and I've learned not to let their projection uh make me judge myself because I know you know I know when I walk down the street that I get a positive reaction and it took a while for me to pay attention then especially at my age you know when I say my age now people are like oh wow you look great for your age whereas when I lied about my age I was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> responds
0: much better yeah yeah no I'm, I'm i'm really glad i asked you that question because that answer um is was poignant and important um because you know you we love our people right we we love our people we need our people but a lot of us have been colonized to believe a certain kind of beauty is the only beauty that matters um right. and that you know full lips and, and large nose and eyes and, and, right. and, 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 dark skin that for, for a lot of us, forget me, I'm talking about white folks, for a lot of us, we don't see that as beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, but I'm glad to hear that you were able to get yourself to the place where you, you could accept more of who you are. And, and, you
1: know, I just want to say like my mother was like, uh, had the look that everybody considers beautiful. She was a beautiful woman, but like the look, the light skin, the curly hair and all like that. And, but she taught me as a child, she was like, look at people's features. Color and hair does not make beauty." She said there are a lot of ugly, light skinned people and a lot of beautiful, dark skinned
0: people. Oh, absolutely. So, I, 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 look, hold, let, 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 let me get on my soapbox now, okay? First of <laughs> all, it's all beautiful. It's all beautiful. It's the journey that makes you beautiful, not your face. Okay. It's your character that makes you beautiful because you can have wonderful features and be evil. Right. And I don't want nothing to do with you. And so, and so beauty happens on a multiplicity of levels. What you want is somebody who's beautiful on every level, right? Right. They're they're pleasing to the eye. They're pleasing to the spirit. They have character. They can communicate. That's what you want. Let me ask you this, um, because I I don't want to run out of time. Um, have you ever thought about giving up this journey? Has, has, has yeah. it ever gotten so hard where you said, you know what, I, I'm done with this?
1: I actually did quit. I quit in uh, 2010. I was just sick of the rejection. Mm. And um, I tried everything else. I, you know, I decided that I was going to take my knowledge and put it the other people. I started a management company. Um, I had like 26 actors that I was representing, and nobody was booking like I booked on my own. And I re- and you know I had a magazine. I did publicity. I was doing so much. I was working and taking what I wanted to do for myself mm-hmm. and putting it to other people because I didn't believe that it was for me. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, maybe if I take my mind and put it in and use someone else's face and body and talent, then we could all be successful together. And I saw that, that didn't work. I needed me. You know, I need me uh, like. I worked with some great people. I worked with some legends. You know, Pam Grier, who was my first crush. You know, Bobby Brown, who I worked with for six years, a music icon. And I'm just seeing these, I'm seeing these people and saying, I want this for me. You know, I want to be the boldface name. And, you know, I got over trying to build other people and said, you know, let me put it in myself. And once I changed my mindset, it really started working.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. And I know tonight you've inspired a lot of people um, just to pursue and to continue to fight for what it is they want to do and to be. And I think the other thing you've done tonight, I'm going to talk about this more on the other side of this break, um, is that you've reminded us that diversity is, is, a, is a real and beautiful thing. And, and, and just because uh, one person or a group of people don't, Find someone to be aesthetically pleasing doesn't mean that everybody feels that way. Um, I, 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 you know, thank you for coming on tonight. And, and, th- and th- most of all, let me say this to you. Now, let me talk to your spirit for a second. We're going to go over, but y'all deal with it. Um, don't you give up. And don't you turn back. And don't you ever feel that what the Creator gave you is not enough. You're more than enough. And the door that that face is supposed to open, only that face can open it. And what is for you, my friend, will wait on you. And here's where I wanna leave you. You cannot miss what is waiting on you. And I want you to understand that your destiny, your big moment, your moment where you stand on that stage and have all that you've dreamed of, it, it, it ain't going nowhere. It's waiting on you to be full and ready and to be thoroughly proud so that when you get in the light, you can handle the heat. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Hey man, thanks for coming on. Thank you. And I just
1: wanna say I you know, maybe one day I'll have a show on uh Fox Soul.
0: Maybe. You know maybe you. listen, I'm I'm all just you can't you just you can't have this one though. But 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 no, I, I am <laughs> not against yeah, you yeah. see, that's what I'm talking about. See there, I'm I'm, a, I'm we're gonna touch and agree, and we're gonna believe that big things are happening for you, Stephen. Thank you for coming on. Listen, everybody, I gotta take this break. When we come back, I am going to do an aha moment because I learned something and I want to share it with you right after this. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. So, um, l- l- let's have an aha moment. Play the bumper. I-, I think one of the most interesting parts of that conversation. Um, was when Stephen mentioned what he had heard early on in his life and how that sort of lived with him and hunted him really and plagued him with a sense of insecurity and doubt. And you know, the truth of the matter is people will say things to us and they don't mean any harm. Like They're not trying to hurt us, they're not trying to break us, they're not trying to ruin us. They're really giving us what they think and in some cases they're really giving us something that they hope we can use to protect ourselves. But the truth of the matter is what they're offering us is tainted by their own perceptions of beauty, the world, themselves, whatever. You see, sometimes you have to honor the source but leave the information alone because not everything that comes out of everybody's mouth is good for where you're going. And you can love somebody to death and I love them indelibly, but just because I love you doesn't mean that you get to speak in or over my life. Learn how to ch- swallow the meat and spit out the bone. Learn how to love who someone is, but not necessarily conform to everything that they say. And that's not disrespectful. That's not, being, that's not being disrespectful to whoever. No, it's not. It's you understanding that what I need to run this race, which is already twice as hard as it should be, I'm gonna need to fill myself with words that make me wanna run and not want to give up on the side of the road. And for all of you who are doubting your beauty or doubting your worthiness or doubting your whatever, your height, your weight, your complexion, your size, your gender, your sexuality, your past, your mistakes, listen, every morning when you get up, is confirmation that something bigger than you wants you to be here. Let that be enough for you. All right, Hailey, let's do some ass, Dr. Sean. Play the bumper, son. All right. Someone send me a video as you guys always send me great videos. Let's take a look at this one. Hi, Dr. Sean. This is Reed from Long Beach. And I have a question. How do you restore a
1: friendship of a person who betrayed you? Now it's been years and we haven't spoken, but they really want to be restored. And I'm wondering, is it even possible uh, when someone betrays your confidence? And if so, how do you go about trusting that person again? Dr. Sean, please give me some advice on that. Thanks.
0: My pleasure. Listen, it's entirely possible, but it's a journey, not a moment. And, and you should never jump into just trusting someone entirely, you know, in one in one swoosh. Work your way towards it by allowing yourself to be in the presence of that person. And you do that by acknowledging the truth that, yes, they made a mistake, but that you're also capable of making mistakes, too. And you've probably made some mistakes in friendships that are not connected to the one you're trying to heal. So the best way to start this journey is to come down from the soapbox and to not be morally superior than other people. And to say, you know what, yeah, you messed up. But the truth of the matter is I know what it is to mess up, too. Forgiveness is the acknowledgement that someone did something that you may or may not be capable of in detail, but in principle, absolutely, absolutely capable of. Because we hurt people all the time. There's never been a, never been a human being outside of Jesus who, who didn't hurt the person or people that they were trying to love. That's where you start. You say, I renounce my privileges as the victim so that I can have a relationship beyond the moment of what you did. As long as you keep referring the relationship back to their failure, it'll never be greater than the failure they perpetrated against you. But when you start to say, you know what, let's start over. Let's start slowly. Let's start with intentionality because now I know what you're capable of. We can take this journey, but we have to take it day by day, piece by piece, and bit by bit. That's how you do that. And all of us need to learn that lesson because I don't care who you are, the person you're loving and caring about, raising, sleeping next to, to, took a ring from, walked down the aisle next to, they are going to do something that's going to make you want to pour some hot grits on them. Yeah. They're going to betray a part of you at some point. And if you don't know how to work your way back, then you're going to be losing people once every three months. Be intentional. Be intentional about letting yourself be intentional about forgiving the you that you were that allowed yourself to be in a relationship with someone who was like that then and forgiving the person that they used to be and giving them a chance to be better than what they were. Yeah, that's good advice. Let's take a break. We'll right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So someone DM me this question. My ex-husband is getting married and our five-year-old girl is the flower girl. I want to see my daughter walk down the aisle, but my husband's fiancee told him that I'm not invited to their wedding. I don't believe in leaving my child unattended and I should be allowed to be wherever my daughter goes. Would would it be wrong of me to attend the wedding without their permission? First, thank you for the question. And uh, let me say succinctly, clearly, emphatically, indelibly, Yes, it would be wrong of you to attend a wedding that you're not invited to. 100%. You should not go to these people's weddings, okay? If, if, the, if the bride does not want you at her wedding, she has every right to express that and to expect you to honor that. No, no more, no less than if you were having a wedding and you wouldn't want her at your wedding, Okay. Now, I don't agree with you that your daughter will be unattended because, wait for it, her father will be there since he's the groom. You, I just get the sense you don't like the fact that he's marrying somebody else. But she's not, your daughter's not unattended. And if you feel that you, you know her father will be busy getting married and he can't really pay attention to the little girl, his little girl, your daughters mutually, then send the little girl, your daughter, with her cousin. Send it with the grandmother. Send it with, uh, you know what I'm saying, someone that you trust but also someone that the fiancee does not have a problem with being at the wedding. I think that you still, you know, may have a little thing for the, for, the, for, the, for the father. Or I think you are kind of vengeful about something. Because if somebody tells me they don't want me somewhere, I'm not making up reasons or excuses to try to be there. You, you only gotta tell me one time you don't want me to show up and I'll forget that your mama ever had you. You hear me? <laughs> You need to deal with what's really going on, okay? I don't think this is about the daughter. I just don't. I don't think this is about the daughter because there are other ways of accomplishing the task of having your daughter be the flower girl and you not being present where your daughter remains safe and the wedding moment isn't ruined by your presence. Yeah. How about you... How about, let me invite you into something. Be honest about what's really going on, okay? Because that's the only way to get over it. Let's not let's not hide behind what he what the what the fiance is saying about the little girl, because I don't think this is about that. I think this is about whatever happened between you and, and your daughter's father and what what is about to happen between him and his new fiance. So let me speak into your life before I move on. If this is about what I just said, it's about. Let me remind you that in the same way that he moved on, so will you. And the same way he found somebody, so will you if you haven't found someone already. Make your focus and your energy on the life that you want to have and not interrupting someone else's moment. In fact, since y'all had a child and you're not together, there's obviously a reason why you're not together. And whatever that reason is, assume that it's still active and alive. And what you should be saying is you can have him. What you should be saying is, sis, I'm going to pray for you. And I have no desire to be at your wedding. All right, let me move on. Somebody else sent me another video. Let's take a look at this one. Hi, Dr. Sean. My name is Charles. I'm from Landwood, California. And the thing is, I have this super huge crush on my boss, but I don't wanna cross lines. So how can you help me? Is there any advice you can give me? If so, appreciate it. Hey, okay. So, all right. Um, this isn't that complicated, although it's nuanced, okay? And complicated and nuanced are not the same thing, but we'll talk about that another time. So, if you work for someone and you have a crush on them and you don't want to cross lines, you've got to keep that crush to yourself, okay? You've got to keep that to yourself because the moment you let it be known that you have a crush on the person that you work for, all, all the lines are crossed. And then it's going to be really awkward if the person does not feel the same way about you. My best advice is if you're going to stay at this job and work at this job because you need this job, because you got to pay some of them high rents I talked about at the beginning of this show, you might want to just keep this to yourself, okay? Let this be like a crush you have that you say maybe one day, right? You're not, you're not, you don't look like you're 17 or 18 years old, so you should have a little wisdom to be able to know that, you know, sometimes you may feel something, but just because you feel it don't mean you should act on it. And I'm telling you, you know, having a crush on somebody that you work for can go either way. Now, if you're really overwhelmed by the crush because, you know, whoever they are is so fine and beautiful and they just make your big toe shoot up in your boot, you can always get another job. You could always move on and find employment somewhere else and go back and say, hey, so-and-so you look good to me. Those really are the only two options. Because telling somebody that you have a crush on them while you work for them is blurring a lot of lines. And it might be really awkward for them and ultimately awkward and weird for you. Especially if they don't feel the same way. Especially if they don't feel the same way. So what you gotta do is decide How much of this is a heart thing and how much of this is a lust thing? Because if it's just about lust, you know, just, I don't know, direct it to somebody else. If it's about a heart thing and you feel like this is the person you're gonna be with for the rest of your life and all that, well then prove it. Go find you some employment somewhere else and then go back and let the person that you're attracted to know how you feel about them, okay? That's how that works. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would say anything. You know, I'm, I'm not losing my job because you're cute. <laughs> I like a paycheck more than, I like, more than I like your nose, okay? Listen, interesting show tonight, right? I thank Stephen for being here and for letting us into his journey, the ups and downs, and the twists and turns of it. Reconciling yourself to yourself is the hardest thing you'll ever do. And learning how to be proud of who you are in the midst of it all is the great work of your life. Now get to that work, you hear me? Get to the work of making sure you're proud of everything you bring to the table. Because what you bring, if it were not there, this world would not be the same. That has to be your swag. Don't apologize for you, be proud of it. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I will see you soon. We have an end of the week show. (laughs) We're gonna have a good time. I love you. We all know someone who's all work and no chill. Trust me, that used to be me. But then I found Galaxy Z Fold 4, which allows me to do more things at once. Ah, much better. Now I can take video calls from my phone and use it to take notes at the same time. Wait, are you at the spa? Or check my shopping list while ordering more scented candles and face masks on the foldable, expansive screen. Don't take your to-do list one line at a time, multitask so you can relax. Click the banner to get your Galaxy Z Fold 4.